Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about urbanism. Urbanism is basically all about how people and the cities they live in coexist. And in the case of Barcelona, there is a fascinating history to it and bold plans for the future. On today's podcast, we'll be hearing from Dr. Thaida Mushi Martinez. She's a professor of urbanism at the Barcelona School of Architecture at UPC University. Killian Shields has been out chatting to people who live and work in one of Barcelona's so-called superblocks. This one in the San Antonio neighbourhood. Hi Killian, good to see you. Hey Lorcan, good to be here. Looking forward to hearing about that. Barcelona City Council is planning to create more of these superblocks. It's all part of what they refer to as tactical urbanism. More on these plans and the debate around them later on. But first, a little bit of history. We're joined now by Alan Reithroll. Hi Alan. Hi Lorcan. Good to see you. Alan, whenever you look at images of Barcelona from the air, I always think that it's it's a pretty remarkable sight. Everything is in its right place. There's all these neat blocks arranged in rows with the Sagrada Familia towering above. And there's an interesting story behind that, isn't there, Alan? Yeah, exactly. So how did Barcelona come to look the way it does? 2,000 years of history in two minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course, 2,000 years ago, um, Barcelona didn't exist at all. (laughs) Um, Then the Romans came and you had like these two major cities in what the area that today we would call Catalonia, there was Tarraco and there was Empurias. And in the middle, they needed um, like a military settlement. So they picked Barcelona. It was surrounded by these two rivers, El Llobregat, the Albasos. It was surrounded by mountains as well. And there was this hill. Today, it would be Plaza San Jaume. Uh, the center, the, yeah, yeah, where the Catalan government headquarters, the Barcelona uh, town council headquarters are located. And they built this village, this Roman village there. Um, it was called the Augusta Faventia Paterna Barcino. Barcino, oh, Barcino it, okay. it may ring a bell, like yeah, <laughs> where yeah, the name yeah. Barcelona comes from. And it was surrounded by walls. And these walls, even after the Romans left, they, they stayed there. These walls, they, they play an important part in the history of how Barcelona developed. Yeah, of, of course, Barcelona has been under siege and like at war for several times. So like these wars were, were pretty, pretty handy. New rulers came to the city and they built extra walls. And that's how you get the, the Raval, Alborn. Al like, so these new neighborhoods, in, which still today are in the Ciutat Bella, like in yeah. the old quarters of Barcelona. But these neighborhoods were also surrounded by extra um, walls throughout the Middle Ages. And it wasn't until the 19th century, actually, with all the industrialization, that people questioned, okay, um, this city is super packed, like the streets are super narrow, like the buildings are, are, are tall, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of space. So you have this city uh, at this crucial moment. It was bursting. That, yeah, and it needs to grow and like they don't have space. So they decide to tear the walls down. And from, from then on, there's a, a very important character that, that yeah. plays his role here, which is Ildefons Sardá, who is the one who, who designed how Barcelona would, would expand and how it would become like more or less the, the Barcelona that we know uh, nowadays. A, a really key figure. Did you know he actually gave the world the word urbanism? The topic of today's podcast. <laughs> really? didn't it, didn't, it, it didn't exist in Catalan, Spanish, French, English. 
He okay. came up, he coined that word, apparently, according to the internet, of course, you know, so <laughs> I, I haven't delved too deeply into that, but so, obviously a, a kiki figure and, yeah. a, and a big thinker. So apart from coining this word and, and a great contribution to the, to the human race, uh, he also designed what would be called a La Chambla, mm -hmm. uh, which if, if you look Barcelona from, from the skies, it's like, most of what you'll see is the eschambla, which literally means it, it like kind of enlargement kind yeah, of way, like an the, extension, the yeah, extended like area, uh, which looks like a, a grid and some avenues like the Diagonal and the, and the Meridiana that cut through mm -hmm. this through this grid, like the only exception to, to the to the grid. And thanks to this to this expansion, then Barcelona also absorbed some municipalities that had been forming in the surrounding in the surroundings of of Barcelona, like mm -hmm. Sarriá, uh, Gracia, the Sanz. San Andreu, Sanz. Had to mention Sanz. I'm familiar with Sanz. So these were actually independent towns, but then with with Barcelona expanding with the Eixample, they all became connected. And his plan, Serdar's plan, kind of led to what we know as Barcelona today, more or less? Yeah, more or less, <laughs> because, and this is very important when talking about the, the, the current challenges of, of, of Barcelona and whether we are close or far from the idea that Cerdá had, is that, um, well, there was supposed to be a lot of green areas, actually, and mm -hmm. these green areas were supposed to be inside the, the blocks, okay. which, to begin with, were not supposed to be perfect blocks. Like, you, you, you need to put picture, like, a, a, an octagon, uh, which is, like, what the with the, the blocks in a Chambla look uh, nowadays, like this this square with the with the corners cut off, uh, like what we call the, the chamfras. But the middle of these blocks were supposed to be filled with with trees and for people to to just be able to to, to go there, to hang out, to, to cross, like as if it was a, a street. Mm -hmm. It was like public space actually. Mm -hmm. But um, of course like landowners <laughs> quickly started building there, um, kind of expanding their, their properties so they could also like use this, this area. And, and today the, the situation is that like most of these areas that Sarda had imagined would be green spaces uh, are just for private use. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that kind of brings us up to the present day. And nowadays how we use the streets in the Eixample and indeed throughout Barcelona is a subject of quite intense political debate and, and debate amongst, uh, well, the citizens who live here as well. Exactly, yeah. I mean, Alan referred to it just there a moment ago that the debate is like, are we getting further away or are we getting closer to the original vision of Cerdá? And one thing that's at the very centre of this whole debate is the Superdies, the, the Superblocks project that the City Council has been really invested in over the past five years. Uh, the City Council led by Ada Colau since 2015, really. Tell us what a Superblock is. Yeah, so a Superblock is an area of the city where just a few years ago there might have been heavy traffic here, lots of cars coming in and out. It's been this public space, these streets that have been essentially repurposed, given to the, the locals. So it's been largely pedestrianized. Many of the crossroads have been entirely pedestrianized. But there are areas of the city now that have like nice seating areas, some picnic tables sometimes, uh, where people can just relax and socialize in, a, in the open air. 
in a in a way that just a few years ago was completely impossible. It's basically taking the cars out of this space within the blocks, and that obviously means that you've got less pollution, less noise, and that the streets are a bit safer for you know, uh, as you say, having a picnic or for children who want to play or, or basically giving the streets over to the people that live there as opposed to maybe the people that are passing through, would you say? Exactly, yeah. It's it's really around the question of like who owns these streets, uh, whereas before it was all dominated by vehicles, cars. Uh, but in the last few years, that's sort of been changing and you see a lot of people out walking around, a lot of families relaxing. Elderly people like to hang out there as well. Um, yeah, so it's been much more pedestrian friendly lately. At the minute, there's a handful of the super blocks that have already been implemented. And this week, Killian went along to one of them. When you turn into one of the super blocks in Sant'Antoni, you're immediately struck at how quiet things are. It's a large open square with picnic tables, seating areas and lots of vegetation and plants. It's peaceful and there are always people there making the most of that tranquility. It's really nice to have the green around you I think you can meet people there and you can chill I think it's good I'm sitting here every day and just watching people and I really like to be here every day you know you are in the city but in a relaxed area I mean you can talk with friends the people can feel uh, they belong here in this in this neighborhood so I mean it's amazing this idea the area where the pedestrianised superblock is once had a lot of cars pass through every day. However, it is now occupied by people enjoying the fresh air and they don't care very much for the fact that it makes driving around a little more difficult. Just being able to like get out of the house and go and sit down and have a coffee or you know bring a picnic and just be in the city where there are normally cars is really, really nice. It is kind of better for us to be able to walk in streets that are less polluted and more citizen-friendly and less about the cars. So I think even maybe if it complicates things in terms of parking, in terms of people getting to work or around Barcelona, um, I think it's a real bonus for the city. So the people who spend their time in the superblock squares are very much in favour of them. But some business owners I asked nearby felt very differently. They had two main complaints about the Superblocks project. First of all, Josep Juiz, working in an off-licence just metres away from one of the main Superblocks, explains to me that as pedestrians have been given priority over vehicles in the whole area, it's very difficult for customers to arrive, to park and to buy lots of things as they used to. He says his regular customers buy far fewer bottles as they can't load them into their cars easily. Rosario, whose clothes repair shop just across the street has been in business for 23 years, told me about how the neighbourhood has changed considerably since the arrival of the superblocks. She doesn't like to see so many people gathered in the surrounding streets because she says that this attracts delinquency and rough sleepers outside her shop. For the people who do enjoy the superblocks, however, things still aren't 100% perfect. I'm not a big fan of the electric scooters. I think they're always a bit annoying when you're on your bike. The patinettes has a motor. I have a crash with them every day because they come with nowhere and crossing high velocity. It is quite overwhelming sometimes. It's a lot happening and uh, you have to find your way also on your bike. But I think, I think it works. We also found one scooter user who admitted that often people on scooters invade the space that should be for pedestrians only. However, he was very keen to emphasise that this should only be done very carefully and responsibly. But he understands that this creates some conflict on the street. 
So superblocks are celebrated by those who spend their time in the neighbourhoods, but have not gone down well with the businesses in the surrounding areas. As Barcelona plans to create more superblocks in new areas in the near future, it seems the city council still has some way to go to solve issues of coexistence between everybody who shares roads and public space. Okay, so the superblocks, mainly popular, but not without criticism either. We'll get a bit more into that later on. The thing about these superblocks, though, Killian, it's just one part of what uh, Barcelona City Council is calling tactical urbanism, as you said. That's exactly it, yeah. So tactical urbanism, you could think about it as like an umbrella term to describe all sorts of functional changes that are made to a city that alter the use of public space. So obviously Barcelona streets, they've changed considerably over the past few years, but even more dramatically since the outbreak of COVID-19, when the use of public space became a much more important issue, especially Mm. when we first started coming out of the lockdown. Bars, for example, they were only able to open outdoor spaces at first, but plenty of them didn't have outdoor spaces. So a part of tactical urbanism was to allow them to open brand new terrace spaces that many of them still survive to this day. Um, so tactical urbanism, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a wide term that usually refers to like a cheap, fast, and even in some cases, reversible way to alter the city's usage. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's funny you say that because like when I started seeing the terraces appear on the streets, it does have this feeling of like, it's almost like a pop-up or it's like, is this going to be like this forever? And and they're still there, as you say now. The, the mm-hmm. city has definitely changed just in the last couple of years, a lot, visibly, Alan. Yeah, definitely. And like a, a key feature of this tactical urbanism is like this yellow paint or blue paint like on, on the road. Like it doesn't require like like really complex construction. It's just about mm-hmm. like, okay, or money. we're painting this area, this color, and this means that the use... Well, has changed. Like now, it's for pedestrians. Now it's for like children uh, leaving school. So it's a way of testing whether certain um, urbanist interventions uh, can work or not. Okay, and are they working? That's up for debate, isn't it? It's definitely up in the air. The confusion of who goes where. So, is this particular area of the street for pedestrians? Is it for cyclists? Is it for Uh, electric scooter users where can scooter users go i think this whole question this whole debate is like really present in barcelona at the moment i think there's a lot of confusion about it and a confusion that's leading to a lot of conflict a lot of issues between people i would say actually that like most people even who criticize this the super blocks or this tactical urbanism um, are not really against like the idea of giving more space to, to pedestrians I, I live near San Antonio myself I go to this super block uh, very often I, I do I do the groceries in, in, in the market and people are actually like there there's dozens and dozens of people in the street always it's a nice atmosphere yeah it's a nice atmosphere but like the thing is that a lot of these changes have gone like really really quickly especially you mentioned like during the pandemic like i i think that many people who maybe if if you were living somewhere else uh like in in february 2020 and then you came back to barcelona today would be like oh my god what what happened like (laughs) what are this all this yellow paint everywhere (laughs) but um I, i think that the the conflict comes a lot of times from like people being caught off of guard by some of these changes like oh no I, I didn't want this like I nobody asked me whether I wanted this or or not like 
I like the, the fact that there's more space for pedestrians, but maybe it should have done in a different way. Mm. So I think it comes more from, like, from this direction, like the, the criticism. And this week, Alan, you caught up with Dr. Thayda Mushi Martinez, a professor of urbanism at the Barcelona School of Architecture. Yeah, it was an interesting discussion about urbanism in Barcelona and the, the challenges that the city currently faces. Okay, let's take a listen. Barcelona is, is doing quite the same that many other cities. Uh, I'm begging for recovering public space from, from car, more pedestrian areas, more greenery. This kind of tactical urbanism, you see that some places you could find some um, painted lines with colors and maybe it's, um, it needs to be repainted <laughs> because the color fades. But, but that's what happened in many other cities, and not only small cities, but also in, in New York, you know, that New York from the 2007 is trying to transform that city that if we think about New York, we always see cars and trucks and, <laughs> and taxis. London, for, I don't know, 20, 15 years, they have this special tax to enter in the city. It's controversial, but uh, you need to do some new rules because... Uh, the cities must be uh, more, and also in Barcelona, this is a very compact and dense city. We have um, a small space. If London, that is much more open, is doing that, maybe you have to, we have to think about something like that. People who move on, on cars uh, think that they have the right to arrive to the, the door where they're going, and it's not the right, and, and it's not necessary in cities like Barcelona or like New York. You can live cars in, in some places and take the public transportation that I insist it works in the city of Barcelona, it works uh, very good. In fact, we decided in my family not to have a car in maybe 20, 20 years ago. We have no car and it's not necessary to move inside the city. And I insist, if you have a good public transportation, you don't need to have a car, a private car, or at least not for every movement, every Obviously, maybe in some occasions you need to move by uh, by car. Also, you have taxis. It's much more cheaper to have a taxi, to take a taxi, than to have a car. And when you improve the pedestrian areas, uh, the, co the economy, the sociability, the, the security are improved also. That was Dr. Thayda Mushi Martinez, Professor of Urbanism at the Barcelona School of Architecture at the Polytechnic University of Catalonia. Our thanks to her. Thayda then seems to be very much in favour of what Barcelona City Council is doing, but we've already heard earlier from Killian's report that some business owners are against some of the measures being put in place. And there is, you know, some tension and some debate debate between road users, like people in cars, people in bicycles, pedestrians, of course, e-scooters as well, which we're, we see a lot of these days as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting when we talk about urban planning and how we use roads to think of it as a zero-sum game. Like there's like a certain amount of space uh, available and it can either be used by pedestrians, by bicycles, by e-scooters, by cars. So like not everybody can get like what they want um, probably. And, and and for instance, cars, like if, if you look at the, the policies that are being put in place are the ones that um, that are going to lose. 
for years and decades, cars were ubiquitous in, in cities, in, in, in Barcelona. And now you, you see a lot of these policies. Um, for instance, like the, the low emissions uh, zone, mm -hmm. which restricts the access of, of some polluting cars. Uh, it's part of this wider trend of making it harder for, for cars to get in, in, in a city. And, and that's the whole point. Like it's, if you are a car owner and you want to move around by car, like it's going to be a lot harder for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, not everyone's going to be happy and people need to make journeys, whether it's for work. But I guess the idea that council is trying to encourage that these journeys aren't made by car because obviously the pollution and, and also the noise pollution too, it's pretty significant. Yeah, actually, I remember when I was a child living in, in my hometown in the, in the countryside in Catalonia, that one of the first things I remember knowing about Barcelona is that it was a noisy place <laughs> and that people couldn't sleep because yeah. of the cars. Like, of course, I, I live now in Barcelona and I, I can sleep <laughs> properly. But I remember that this was like, I don't know, like in my child, my children's brain, like this is one of the things that stuck. Barcelona is noisy. Mm -hmm. uh, Kellyanne, tell us a bit about the e-scooters, which you mentioned have kind of exploded in use in recent years. Sure thing, yeah. I mean, you're t speaking about the conflict between car users and whether or not they could drive there or if it's pedestrianized. But e-scooters bring their own set of conflicts and issues with them when they're brought onto the road. Because, well, I just said there, when they're brought onto the road, but... Not everybody takes that for granted because in Barcelona we see a lot of these scooters driving at really high velocity sometimes on the pathways, uh, through pedestrianized zones. Uh, and this is bringing like a very new, fresh set of problems with it. A lot of the pedestrians in the Superies don't like it when the scooters are crossing through. It goes hand in hand as well with the issue of like cyclists. Should they be on the path, on the road? Um, and I, th I think there's a lot of confusion, a lot of um, misunderstanding about the rules and regulations, Yeah, probably from scooter drivers, it's fair to say. Yeah. And if you're in Barcelona, you'll have noticed uh, the amount of e-scooters that are about. And in fact, Barcelona City Council said that in 2019, there were three times more accidents involving e-scooters than bicycles. And that's despite the number of bike journeys being about five times as much as scooters in the Barcelona metropolitan area. And that study also noted that the kind of legal situation and the regulations around e-scooters is, I quote, excessively confusing. Precisely. When you put the figures that you just gave there in the context of another report that was released just in early September by RACC, uh, so Catalonia's Drivers Association. Uh, it revealed that a huge amount, 37% of scooter users go through red lights, it revealed that many of them don't respect pedestrians. A lot of accidents involve people who are walking as well. Um, and it said that the majority, 51% of people who use scooters, don't know the basic aspects of driving, so such as like helmet, lights, or even like the spaces where they can drive. Mm -hmm. yeah. And also the speed limit, because a lot of the police reports file against scooters um, are not only because of the, the red lights, but also because they exceed the, the speed limit, which is 10 kilometers per hour on bike lanes that are on pavements or parks, for instance and 25 kilometers per hour for the bike lanes that are on roads. Yeah, and I suppose e-scooters never figured in Ildefons Serra's plan for Barcelona <laughs> uh, back in the 19th century. So uh, it's no wonder that we're coming up with new ideas now to tackle the urban environment. Time now for our Catalan phrase. What is it this week, Alan? 
ser més vell que el Napeu. Ser més vell que la Napeu. That, uh, That's correct. Pronunciation, yeah, yeah. okay? <laughs> so that means... Well, it's quite literal, actually. The, the, it's something that's older yeah. uh, than going by foot to the places. Okay, and when would you use that? Um, so, of course, it means that something is, is old, but you probably wouldn't use it to describe a, a, a building. Like, okay. Barcelona is més bella que el Napeu, like, uh, 2,000 years ago. No, 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 that's not the way it works. But maybe connecting what Ildefons Sardà had in mind for these green areas in La Champla and what maybe some want to, to do now with uh, expanding the, the area for, for pedestrians. Like you could say that, no, this, actually, this, this idea is not that new. Actually, yeah, it's okay. més que el Napeu. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Thanks very much for joining me today, Killian, Alan, good to see you. Thank you very much, Lorcan. Thanks for having me. And we did today's podcast on a Barcelona topic because it is La Merced. So if you're listening and you're in Barcelona, we hope you enjoy the festivities. Hope you enjoyed listening too. Thanks for tuning in. You can subscribe to Film The Sync, of course, wherever you get your podcasts. We're back next Saturday with another episode of Filling The Sync. Until then, from me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adieu.